welcome you this morning to the Lord's house, our place of prayer, and lifting our hearts worship unto him. We're going to start with hymn number 20, Abba, Father, we approach thee. And what a great hymn this is as you read the words of it. It's a, a whole gospel message, and it's really based around the prodigal son, the standpoint of the father who dealt with us as all have gone away from the Lord, and yet he sought us in grace and mercy, sent his Son to be our Redeemer, and has washed us from our sins, and has clothed us in the righteousness of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so we are welcomed at his table. We have a place in glory. And if you're in Christ today, then you are secure in him. And you have no wondering or doubting. Am I going to get there at the end? It does not depend on us. It depends on the Lord's grace. And as He has offered the gift of salvation, we have received it, and He has blessed us and secured that to us. Let's stand, please, as we sing this hymn to the Lord's praise.
Let's ask the Lord, please, to bless us now in our morning service. Father, as we wait today in prayer around the throne of grace, we come at the very outset of our service praying for the help of the Spirit of God in our worship. Thankful, Lord, for the joy and the blessing of being able to sing hymns of praise and psalms of thanksgiving and worship. We do so again today, Lord, acknowledging that Thou art our Father and we are Your children. And Father, today I pray that each one of us will be very conscious of the Savior's presence with us here and the Holy Spirit coming to help us to take the things of Christ, the Word of God, and write them upon our heart, reinforcing the truth, bringing back to our memory, Lord, things we learned many years ago, and that they come with fresh power to our hearts. Lord, help us to realize today that we have been washed and forgiven of our sin, that we have been clothed with the righteousness of Christ, and we are ready for heaven and home. And we have a place set aside for us, secured, reserved, incorruptible, that will never fade away. So great salvation, Father, have we received so freely, graciously, kindly. And Lord, today we know that we can never repay the great debt that we owed. We could never properly repay the gift of our salvation. But Lord, what do we do with such a gift? But we have received it, and we take it to our hearts, and we will lift our praises and our worship. And so today, Lord, help us as we have gathered in Your house this place of thanksgiving and prayer, And we are thankful, Lord, and we pray that as we fellowship one with another, we will have the love of God. Indeed, that love that has been given to us would be fervent. It would be seen abundantly one toward another. Lord, as You have given to us such great love, help us to have that flowing out from our own souls, our own lives. Dear Lord, have mercy upon our fellowship. Bless the public witness of our church family. Remember everyone represented here, every family connected with us, Lord, whether those that have come more recently, perhaps even visitors this morning for the first time, or someone's come back again. May they be overwhelmed with the love of Christ among us, And may they be fed from the Scriptures by the Holy Spirit, taking the things that are in the Word and writing each one of them upon the heart. Lord, remember today those who are grieving the loss of a dear loved one. We pray for our sister Dorothy Bodner this morning, that Your comfort and grace would be upon her and help her in the loss of her husband. And Father, we know that others have lost loved ones, maybe not long ago, maybe some even a distance of time ago. 
And yet the pain is still there. Support, encourage, bless, strengthen everyone. And those who are here and yet in bodily weakness, Father, strengthen them in their own heart and body and soul this day. And Lord, when sometimes the needs we have are deep inside, and they might not be physical, but maybe they are spiritual or mental, emotional, some other concern, thankful we are, Father, to cast all our care upon our God, for Thou hast promised to care for us. And we are thankful for that today. So strengthen us, Lord, with might in the inner man. Help us to bear a testimony wherever we go and whoever we meet. And, Lord, loose our tongues and help us to speak freely and powerfully and anointed by the Holy Spirit. Let our life itself be a testimony. Maybe we don't have the particular opportunity to speak. Maybe people just observe our lives. And I pray in that observation they will see the Lord Jesus and we will be a good example and that we will be ambassadors for Him. Father, remember today those who are suffering for the cause of Christ, being persecuted, set aside, imprisoned, under the threat of death. Father, help them and pour out Your grace mightily on them. And remember, we pray, all of our missionaries this morning, may each one of them in their own stations as they are serving the Master, Lord, bless them abundantly. So hear us now. Continue to pour out Your grace abundantly on us, for we ask all these things in Jesus' precious name. Amen. We're going to continue in our praise this morning with Psalm 98. Psalm 98, and we will stand again as we sing. And you will notice by the words of this psalm, well, they bear the very same testimony we've been thinking about from the opening hymn about the Lord's grace and mercy and the salvation being poured out upon us. And we can sing a new song unto Jehovah. It's the song of the redeemed, the song of salvation. Let's stand as we worship.
Amen. The final verse of this psalm, it says, For to judge the earth he cometh, and with righteousness shall be judge the world and all the nations with most perfect equity. There is coming a day, we do not know when, we do not know how soon or how far off, but our Lord Jesus has promised He is coming back again. And when our King comes, it will be not this time in humility, but it will be in kingly majesty, and it will be to judge the earth. And friend, we encourage you, if you are out of Christ this morning, that you be ready, because when He comes, it will then be too late, for He's coming to judge the world. And now, He promises, is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. So, open your heart and receive Him as your own today. We're going to turn in our Bibles now for our congregational reading to Matthew chapter 28. Matthew chapter 28. <clears throat> the resurrection chapter, verse 1. In the end of the Sabbath, it is actually the plural word for Sabbaths, in the end of the Sabbaths, as it began to dawn toward the first day of the week, came Mary Magdalene and the other Mary to see the sepulcher. And behold, there was a great earthquake, for the angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door and sat upon it. His countenance was like lightning, and his raiment white as snow. And for fear of him, the keepers did shake and became as dead men. And the angel answered and said unto the women, Fear not, for I know that ye seek Jesus, which was crucified. He is not here, for He is risen as He said. Come, see the place where the Lord lay, and go quickly and tell His disciples that He is risen from the dead. And, behold, He goeth before you into Galilee. There shall ye see Him. Lo, I have told you. And they departed quickly, from the sepulcher with fear and great joy, and did run to bring the disciples, his disciples' word. And as they went to tell his disciples, behold, Jesus met them, saying, All hail! And they came and held him by the feet and worshipped him. Then said Jesus unto them, Be not afraid, go tell my brethren that they go into Galilee, and there shall they see me. Now, when they were going, behold, some of the watch came into the city and showed unto the chief priests all the things that were done. And when they were assembled with the elders and had taken counsel, they gave large money unto the soldiers, saying, Say ye, his disciples came by night and stole him away while we slept. And if this come to the governor's ears, we will persuade him and secure you. So they took the money and did as they were taught. And this saying is commonly reported 
among the Jews unto this day. Then the eleven disciples went away into Galilee, into a mountain where Jesus had appointed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. And we know that the Holy Spirit will bless His Word to every heart, and we trust that application will be taken home for each one of us, that we will take that Word, and it will be an encouragement and a blessing to us this morning. Welcome to the house of God in the place of praise and prayer today. We're happy that you are here and some visiting maybe for the first time today. You are very, very welcome in the Savior's name and those that have returned again to be with us. And we don't forget those folks viewing our service online today. You are very, very welcome with us here. We want to extend our condolences to Mrs. Dorothy Bodner today in the passing of her dear son, her dear husband, rather, Reverend John Bodner. John passed away last Monday morning, and we've been praying much for him during his time of illness. It's been over a year now since he had a surgery, and really from that time, it, complications arose, and he never really recovered. It was a long time in hospital and then in a long-term care home, and he never went back to his own home. And so he suffered a lot in the last days, and his dear wife is happy that John is at home uh, to be with his Lord and Savior. The funeral details this Friday, and it will be out in the West End in a funeral home, and the details have been sent out to all on our email list, and they're on our bulletin. And so please, if you'd like to know, you can speak to one of our men or be sure to get that bulletin online. Please remember and continue to remember in prayer uh, Dr. McClellan. I'm glad he's here with us this morning again. He's recovered from his uh, procedure that he had of a pacemaker, and we're happy that that is up and running and working well. Remembering also our sister Anna Tan, and again to acknowledge her thanks to the congregation for your prayers for her, and our sister Isabel Glynn and Brother Ted had a nice visit with them this past Wednesday, and uh, Isabel is doing fairly well, though really appreciate your prayers and ask you to continue to remember her before the Lord, that God would help her and give her His wisdom and His mind at this time. Let's not also forget to pray for Whitfield, our Christian school, starting last Tuesday, and they have the first week under their belt, and we want to hold up each one of them before the Lord, that entire ministry, 
continuing to pray that God's blessing and spirit would be there to guide and to protect and to keep the devil's hand away from that vital work for the Lord Jesus. Please remember ministry announcements today at 5.50. We have our pre-service prayer time. And let me encourage you to be at that pre-service prayer time to come, of course, for the evening service. If you're here for the morning service, let me challenge you again as we start the fall program. Don't just be an SMO. It means a Sunday morning only believer. No, we have services at two times of the Lord's Day, and we want you to gather the full impact of the Word of God for your soul. So if you're coming out in the morning, make sure you come out in the evening service. It's a completely different service. We know that some churches have service at 9 a.m. and maybe at 11, and perhaps they're the same services, but we have two completely different meetings. So come in the morning service and come in the evening service and hear the Word of God and receive blessing for your own soul. And the pre-service prayer times at 5.50. The evening service will be at 6.30. And tonight after, being the second Lord's Day of the month, we'll be having a hymn sing after the evening service. And they're always a great time of blessing and a great way to conclude the Lord's Day. Wednesday evening, our Bible study and prayer time at 7.30. Let me again encourage you to make sure your family is represented at the prayer meeting on every Wednesday night. Thursday will be our first regular session and board meeting, and that will be at 6 o'clock starting with the session, 7.30 for our elders and our deacons. And this is always a, well, it's a lengthier meeting because we have some business over the summertime to conduct, but it's always a time of great fellowship and prayer, and seeing what the Lord has in store and planning for the ministry and the work that we're engaged in here. So please, as a congregation, don't forget to be praying for our elders and deacons and for all these meetings. And don't forget the pastor as well in the midst of all that. I need your prayers as much or more than anyone else does. So I appreciate your thoughts for us too. Next Lord's Day. Our Sunday school continues at 9.50, and let me encourage you, we had our opening session today at 9.50, and everyone was in their place. Well, almost everyone. There were a few still stragglers that were coming in a little bit late, but that's only an encouragement for everyone to be here at 9.45. Set your clock and be here at 9.45 so we can make a start swiftly at 9.50, and that we'll maximize our time for all of our Sunday school areas. For the boys and girls down in the basement, and the adults that meet down in the auditorium in the basement, and the young adult class that meets upstairs in the youth room. And so be in prayer for all of these services. We'll sing again now to the Lord's praise, number 695. We are thinking today in our service about the Great Commission and the commandment that Christ gave to His church. And the title of this hymn is, For My Sake and the Gospels Go. Well, we want to think about what it means to be a witness for Christ and the power that He gives for that. So, this tune, I believe, if it's the one here in front of us, it is a well-known tune, and so we're going to stand as we sing this hymn. 695. 
We ask you to turn in your Bibles, please, to the book of Acts chapter 1. A little while ago in our prayer meeting, we were doing a study through the book of Acts And uh, we started out by thinking about this key verse, uh, verse 8 in uh, the chapter, and it's uh, a well-known verse of Scripture, and we're going to be thinking on that verse today. As we draw near the conclusion of our study of the life of Christ, we have come now to consider some of the post resurrection statements, commandments, appearances of the Lord, and they are all very instructive to us. And I want not to forget about the ascension of Christ 
and the commandment that was given uh, by the angels as well at that part when the Lord was taken up to glory. But for this morning, and by way of a little background information, we read from Matthew 28. And one of the statements, indeed one of the final statements that Jesus made, was a declaration. He said, all power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. It's really a defining statement of our Lord Jesus. He said that all power is given unto me. And what is the meaning of that, being given unto Christ? It really means that Christ Jesus rightfully assumed that power which ultimately was His from all eternity. When He was born at Bethlehem and became a man for our sakes, He divested Himself of His glory. Philippians chapter 2 tells us that He made Himself of no reputation. And that means that the Lord emptied Himself of an element, a degree of His majesty, of His glory. And yet now we find that this glory is being reassumed by Christ as He is risen from the dead. And He is saying, all power is given unto Me. It was rightfully His, and now it is rightfully returned. But think about the magnitude when He said all power, because now Christ has been ordained. Christ has been crowned. He has now received the majesty of His kingship, for He is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And what about the extent of this power? He says, in heaven and in earth. Just how far, you might ask, does the power of Christ extend? Well, we have the answer given far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this world, but in that which is to come. And that's how the Apostle Paul stated it by the Holy Spirit in the book of the Ephesians. But what are the implications to the church, to us, that Jesus Christ has been given all power? Well, it has to do with the building of His church. It means it is certain. There is no doubt about it. Because the power that Christ has and has assumed to Himself and taken up rightly, it means that when He said, I will build My church, the gates of hell will not prevail against it, that is a certainty that cannot be overturned by any power. It means, friend, that there is victory, the victory of God in Christ and His everlasting kingdom, it is certain. It is sure. It is the hope of every child of God that is the sure knowledge we have that if Christ is alive, then we have life in Him. His church is going to be completed, and we as His people are part of that everlasting kingdom. 
And so, our hope is not unstable. Our hope is not vacillating. Our hope is sure. Our hope is true. Our hope is real. And believer, let this truth resonate in your heart today. Let it be taken up by faith and let you stand, each one of us, upon the promises of God and upon this defining statement that Jesus made, all power is given unto me. Now we're going to read the first eight verses of the Acts of the Apostle, chapter 1. The former treaties have I made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began both to do and teach, until the day in which He was taken up, after that He, through the Holy Ghost, had given commandment unto the apostles whom He had chosen, to whom also He showed Himself alive after His passion, His suffering, by many infallible proofs, being seen of them forty days, and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. And being assembled together with them, commanded them they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which saith he, Ye have heard of me. For John truly baptized with water, but ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost, not many days hence. When they therefore were come together, they asked of him, saying, Lord, wilt thou at this time restore again the kingdom to Israel? And he said unto them, It is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father hath put in his own power, but ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost is come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. We'll ask the Lord to bless our time. Father, as we have now the Scriptures open before us, I pray for help, the help of the Holy Spirit, to speak, Lord, the word of truth plainly. Let no one misunderstand. May there be a word right to the heart for every one of us as your children and for any person here or listening online that is still unsaved. Lord, speak to their hearts and bring them to Christ. We ask these things today in Jesus' name. Amen. So we're going to look after this lengthy introduction and preamble, but it's so important to gather all the context together so that we might understand what the Lord has for us today. We're thinking about verse 8 from chapter 1. And the title is simply this, Equipped to Fulfill... Christ's final command. Equipped to fulfill 
Christ's final command. Among the post-resurrection appearances of our Lord Jesus to His disciples, the final message He gave was about spreading the gospel. And it must never be minimized in any of our minds. When He said in Matthew 28, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature, that was a message that is still very much alive, relevant, and necessary for our day and our time. The spreading of the gospel and the message of full and free salvation must not be minimized. The Great Commission about going and preaching the gospel to every creature is in essence and content given again to us in Acts 1 and verse 8. But ye shall receive power after that the Holy Spirit is come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria, and unto the uttermost part of the earth. Now, how the Lord phrased and worded this here as He appeared to His disciples in the mountain, and how He worded it as He emphasized it to them, recorded and given to us in Matthew 28, the gist, the essence, the reality of both those messages are exactly the same. And this commandment of our Lord, it does not have an expiry date apart from the fact that when Jesus comes back to this world again, that will be the conclusion, and that will be the expiry date of the preaching of the gospel to every creature, creation that God has in this world. The opening verses of Acts are helpful and instructive to us because as the Lord Jesus appeared We're told that He showed Himself alive after His passion or His suffering. And He did so by many infallible proofs. He appeared unto Mary in the garden in John 20. He walked with His two disciples on the road to Emmaus. He ate with His fearful disciples as they were in the upper room. He recommissioned Peter. What a great story and account as we have looked at that. And what a blessing that is to all of us as we are servants of the Lord. We have stumbled and fallen by the way. The Lord doesn't leave us there. As He restored Peter and He recommissioned him to His work, so that was one of the most significant appearances of the Lord to His disciples. We are told that He appeared unto 500 people at once and he preached and taught them. He was seen by Paul, one born out of due season, as Paul was on the road to Damascus. And of course, the teaching of the apostles and disciples for 40 days after he had risen, Acts 1 and verse 3. We're also given the promise of the Father in verse 4 of Acts 1. The Lord commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem until they had been baptized 
and filled with the Holy Spirit. This was the promise that Jesus had given to them earlier. He said, I will send another Comforter. I will send the Holy Spirit to you. And the sending of the Holy Spirit was fulfilled in the book of Acts, in the day of Pentecost. The Spirit of God would bring all things to the apostles' remembrance, and all who would be responsible in writing the New Testament, the Holy Spirit would be the one to come upon them, to overshadow them, to inspire them to write exactly what He wanted them to write. And of course, going through the book of Acts, we have the record of this, the record of God coming and appearing and presenting through the Holy Spirit the message that He wanted them to know and to communicate. Unfortunately, the disciples were again a little set back in verse 6 of chapter 1 because they wondered about the kingdom of Israel being restored at this time. But Jesus said to them, the times and the seasons are not your business. They are the Father's business. And mind your own business. And pay attention to what I'm telling you. And you fulfill the command because the church of Christ is going to be built. It's being built this very day. It's not earthly. It's not cultural. It's not national but it is by sovereign electing grace. And that's what we must not forget. So as we think about verse 8 of chapter 1 today, the key verse of the book of Acts, and this final command that Jesus gave, we want to know how we can be equipped to fulfill this command of the Lord Jesus Because in the first thought this morning, it is this, we are Christ's ambassadors. As the disciples and apostles in His day were, as those who were saved in the book of Acts were, as those in the early New Testament church were, His ambassadors, so, brothers and sisters today, you and I are also the ambassadors of Jesus Christ. We are His representatives. Jesus said, Ye shall be witnesses unto Me. And what is a witness but someone who is called to testify of what they have seen, what they have heard, what they have experienced? And you and I as God's children are called to be His ambassadors and witnesses to tell a message. What have we seen? What have we heard? What have we experienced? When man was created, God placed man upon this earth as a creative being of His for a sole purpose. And that purpose of man was to testify of God's creative power, to testify and witness of His kind provision, to testify of His absolute holiness, of His unbending justice, and of His supreme love. That is the whole duty of man in bringing that testimony, in being that witness, 
what will we do? We will glorify our God. And in our sinless condition, we will enjoy Him forever. Now, but we know that the fall came and sin entered in. But immediately that sin entered into the world, the grace of God was made known to fallen man, and the Lord made a way so that the purpose and plan of Him being a witness and a testimony was not lost. Because God made a way, He provided a way for our everlasting salvation, and to restore again, to turn back into the right place, that testimony and that witness that was lost. And so, friend, today, every saved sinner, every redeemed man and woman, we have this responsibility, we have this task, we have this joy, we have this mighty privilege to be given to us And God in sending His only begotten Son into this world, He sent Him so that we might be redeemed to receive the gift of everlasting life and therefore have the opportunity and the blessing to convey the love of God and His justice. That's our duty but I don't want to think about it as a duty. I don't want to think about it as something that we are forced to do or obligated to do. Oh, friend, it's much more than that. As Christ's ambassador and witness, we have the great blessing of being a testimony for Him. Is that how we look about it? Is that how you've thought about it in the past week? I know sometimes, friends, I don't think about it that way. Sometimes when I think about the need to witness to someone, immediately fear would come over me. Uh, Apprehension would come over me. You think about uh, what you've got to do in the course of the day, and I don't have time to be diverted to do something else. Whoa, wait a minute. All that thinking is wrong. Because if we understood the reality of the blessing that God has given to us, We would not have those thoughts. We are called to be His witnesses. In Isaiah 43 and verse 10, it says, Ye are My witnesses. So this is the Old Testament, of course. Ye are My witnesses, saith the Lord, and My servant whom I have chosen, that ye may know and believe Me and understand that I am He. For before Me there was no God neither shall there be after me. The Lord said, I, even I, am the Lord, and beside me there is no Savior. I have declared and have saved and have showed when there was no strange God among you. Therefore, ye are my witnesses, saith the Lord, that I am God. Well, you can't get it any clearer than that. The Lord is saying to His church in the Old Testament, to His people, you are my witnesses. 
you are to testify that I am God. I am the one only true and living God. I am the only Savior that there is. And that's our task. So it should be no surprise to us that when Christ rose from the dead and He is departing from His people to go into glory, this final statement and command of Jesus is one that carries great power and moment. Spreading of the gospel message. The whole world is going to be done not by angels, but by men and women who are saved by His grace. And this is where we must see and know our place. My dear friends, I say to you this morning that this is a privilege not to be ashamed of. It's a privilege not to be ashamed of. There are many things that we can be confident about in our life. And as human beings, uh, we go about things that we think we can do, and we've been trained to do perhaps. We have some expertise in, maybe some talent in, perhaps a sport. Maybe it's the job that you have, your occupation. And perhaps you're confident that you can do your job reasonably well, maybe even successfully well. And the privilege that you have in doing so is a great blessing. But let's think for a moment about the honor and the privilege that God has given to us. And it's something that we should never be ashamed of. When we are filled with the Spirit of God, when Christ's Spirit is upon us, we'll be able to stand and say as the Apostle did in Romans 1 verse 16, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to the Jew first and also to the Greek. And therefore, he was able to go forward as the apostle to the Gentiles and preach the unsearchable riches of Christ. And here was a man who was anointed by the Spirit of God, and he saw himself as a witness of the Master and he realized this great privilege that had been granted to him. Now, Paul knew where he had come from. He knew that he was a murderer of God's people. He knew that he had arrested in Jerusalem. He stood as Stephen was stoned to death, the first martyr. He was giving his authority in that because he'd been given authority by the high priest and by the priest in Jerusalem to arrest and to put in prison and to kill. And he was going on his way to Damascus to do the same thing. So he had looked at his responsibility locally, and he had looked at it more globally. And he went about to fulfill his duty. And Paul, when God saved him, he saw all of those things in the past 
And he had to come and say, forgetting those things which are behind, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. There are things that he had to forget because if he kept remembering them, they would have stopped him from doing his work. And friends, there are things in our lives that the devil would love to bring up to the forefront. And he would like to make us ashamed of who we are and ashamed of the gospel message that we have to proclaim, ashamed to be a witness for Jesus for one reason or another. But this is a gospel privilege that we have been given. It is a gospel blessing. And it comes to us with gospel authority. And therefore, we are told not to fear the face of man, but to trust in the Lord, and we shall be safe. We shall be successful. We shall be able to accomplish that which the Lord has placed upon us. And so, friend, today, stop and consider and count this great privilege and blessing that the Lord has given to us to be for Him a spokesperson, to be for Him an ambassador, a representative. Let's be careful that in our representative position, we do not dishonor our Lord. We do not bring shame upon the one that we are called to be a representative of and to. How so? How can that be? Well, in a very human sense, you know that a person that is an ambassador to a country that is living and positioned in another country, when they do something wrong, if they break a law, if they commit some crime, they are called back to their own land. They are sent out of the country where they are in disgrace and dishonor. And they are no longer able to represent their own country. And so, friend, as we have been sent out by the Lord into this life, now we have been sent out to be His ambassadors. We do not want to be engaged in something, to do something to dishonor our Lord, and whereby our Lord will be made a laughing stock. He'll be cast aside in the minds of people. He'll be saying, ha, There's just another one of those followers of Jesus and look what they're doing now. And every time a man of God, a woman of God, a Christian falls into some sin and brings dishonor upon the Master, the privilege that we have been granted and given to be a witness, we have lost that. And we have brought dishonor to our King. Ah, friends, beware and pray. And pray much that the Lord will put a very high wall around you, a very great safeguard in front of you, as I pray that for myself, as you would pray that for yourself, as you would pray that for your deacons and for your elders in our own congregation. Because as I've said before, and you know it well, those who are on the front line will be are the first ones to be under attack. And so, we need to be very mindful of this. Not only is it a privilege not to be ashamed of, it is a calling not to be neglected. God has called me to be a pastor. He called me through 
the words of Ephesians 3 and verse 8. Less than the least of all saints called to be a witness and to preach the unsearchable riches of Christ. In my own experience in life, it was a longer journey of God's calling and my responding to that call. And so, sometimes we speak about people being in full-time service as opposed to those who are not pastors and missionaries in that sense. But every single believer, every single Christian, we have been called of God to be His witness. It's a calling, friends, that we had better not neglect. It's a calling that means that in the vocation you have, in the place where the Lord has put you, in the family relationship that you now have, God's providence has placed you here, and don't think of it any less than you're called to the kingdom for such a time as this. You're called to a place and a position for such a time as this. And this is a calling that we better not neglect. And how can this calling be neglected? Well, it will be neglected simply because we are too busy. We're so busy doing our own things in this life. We're so busy accomplishing things and goals that we think are important. And the days and the months and the years of our life are clicking by and we have been overwhelmed and consumed in our own goals. But we have, we have quite possibly neglected the calling of God that is preeminent upon our life. When Jesus said, you are to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature, he meant that that was applicable not just to the apostles and disciples that he was speaking to. By the very expression of Acts 1 and 8, he's now expanding that onto others, everyone who will come to him. We can neglect the calling by putting other things in front of it, by being too busy. We can also neglect it by being too distracted. It's linked up with being too busy, isn't it? But supposing someone is not all that busy in their work or something else, but maybe we are distracted by other things, distracted by entertainment. Isn't that a real problem in the Western society and the spread of internet and the spread of entertainment across the world? That people are being entertained to death. Entertained by every format, by every vehicle. And the entertainment has come into a place and a point in our life possibly where we have neglected the greater calling of God. Too busy? Too distracted? Ah, oh, friends, are we too lazy? Is that a way in which we have been neglecting the calling of God? Too lazy because we 
just feel that it's somebody else's duty to do it. And it doesn't really apply to me. It applies to somebody else. It applies to the pastor or the elder or deacon. It applies to the missionary. It applies to the person who's gone off to serve God some other place. But it doesn't really apply to me. And that subtle deception that the devil plants in many minds comes back to neglect of the command of Christ to us. And friends, how important it is for us to stop and think today of where we are as the servants of Christ and where are we going in His kingdom. Has He brought us to this world for a purpose? And once we acknowledge that God has indeed a purpose for us in our life, what purpose? The same purpose He had for us to tell of His love, to tell of His greatness and holiness, to tell of so great salvation that He has made. Yes, to speak of His love. We are called to testify of Him. It may be, friends, that the neglect has crept up on us. And because of years gone by, because of getting into life's habits and getting kind of ensnared in those things, we find it difficult to break those strings and shackles. And we just get into the mode of doing life. And we don't really look for or are thinking or asking the Lord to help us. This comes down to understanding our calling. Understanding the command of God. Realizing its application to us personally. And then praying, Lord, enable me. Lord, quicken me. Lord, break those things that are ensnaring me and keeping me from doing and serving the Master. It's a privilege not to be ashamed of, friend. Not to be ashamed of the Gospel of Christ. It's a calling that is not to be neglected. But it is also a trust not to be compromised. A trust not to be compromised. Sometimes there is a zeal not according to knowledge. What does that mean? Well, it means that people who are full of energy, full of enthusiasm, and they just want to go and get the job done, and they'll run it like a bull in a china shop and do more damage in the long run than they'd hope to accomplish. Well, you know what that's like. You know what that means. We want to be careful that when we acknowledge the trust that God has placed within our hands, within our lives, the trust that is given to us from the Scripture of the Gospel Word, the trust of preaching the unsearchable riches of Christ and of being a living testimony and witness for Him, we want to be careful that we do not break that trust. Because once it has been shattered, it is very, very difficult to put back together again. 
If we compromise God's Word for a number of what appear to be justifiable reasons, we are not doing the will of God. If we go forward and try to evangelize using methods or means that go against the heart and spirit and clear presentation of God's Word, then we are compromising the trust of the Gospel. If we think that we can go and associate with others that themselves are compromising or sinning against God's Word clearly and openly, either by their false religion or the compromising of God's truth, and we want to associate with them thinking that, hey, there's power in numbers, so the more numbers of people you get together and go out and preach the Gospel, that'll be doing the good thing, right? Be careful, friend. Because when we break the trust that God has given to us and we compromise the Word of God and the presentation of His truth, we think we might be accomplishing a good thing, but we're really doing the exact opposite. It's reverse. If we think, friends, that God needs us in any way to do His will, we are greatly mistaken. And the fact that He entrusts us with the gospel message and with His Word, He is placing something of the highest value into our hands. And He is saying, take care of what I am giving you. And do not discard it. Do not play foolishly with it. Do not compromise it. And we must, with all reverence, with all sanctity, we must care for the message of the Gospel of Christ with all purity, with all holiness, with all reverence, with all truth. Because the Lord doesn't need us. And if we think by our massaging of the truth a little bit, and we're thinking we're going to, by the ends, we'll justify the means. In other words, if we just compromise a little bit, or if we just do something here, it'll, it'll accomplish a great thing for the Gospel, right? Wrong. The Lord doesn't operate that way. And His Word is amply evident of that. No, friends. He calls His people to be separate and to be clean. For they that bear the vessels of the Lord must be clean. Isaiah 52, verse 11. Yes, friends, we are called unto holiness. We are called unto purity because the very gospel that we have been given to convey, it must be through clean vessels. Now I know your question might come into your mind. Well, how clean do I have to be before the Lord will use me? You know, um, what if I have not feeling myself very perfect today? What if I have messed up? Well, I dealt with that last Lord's Day because sometimes we feel that we have let the Lord down, haven't we? We feel that we have been less than what we should be for Him. And the Lord does not stand over us with a big hammer ready to crash us down. 
But sometimes the Lord will even take the weakness of our own vessels and He will allow us at a time to speak a word for Him. How, how gracious the Lord is. How kind. His loving kindness is great toward us. But friends, we can never use that as an excuse for our own neglect and compromise of the truth. We must set ourselves to understand and know the truth. We must therefore be the people of God who know Him and will do exploits for Him because we are resting upon His Word. This day is a day of compromise. It's a day of foolishness in much and many of the churches that are saying they are worshiping God today. But the entertainment style of the worship and the stuff that's going on both in the church and out of the church that is legitimized as being part of the gospel is quite frankly, friends, another gospel. It is not the gospel of truth. It's what the Apostle Paul said to the Galatians. There are some that are coming to you and they are preaching what appears to be a gospel, but Paul said it is not. It is another gospel. It is something that is completely wrong. And he said some very strong words about that. Let the person that does that, that brings that message, let them be accursed. The Lord does not fool around in these matters. He does not play games. He calls us to soberness. He calls us to rational thinking and logical application of His truth. He calls us to follow Him as He is holy. We are called to be holy. We read that on Wednesday night. How that the Apostle Peter, in 1 Peter chapter 2, he said about loving the brethren fervently. But a few verses earlier in that, he mentions that the command comes from the Lord, be holy as I am holy. And he calls us to that purity of walk. He calls us because the trust He has placed within our hands must not be besmirched. It must not be tarnished. It must not be compromised. Ah, friends, today we have a Master and a Lord that is worthy of our life devotion to Him, is worthy of our service, and I pray that we will give of the best to the Master. We will say, Lord, here I am. Send me. I wonder today, has the Lord been speaking to your heart, young man, young woman? Has He been speaking to you at all about serving Him in some capacity? Has He been putting His hand upon you to follow Him and give your life out and out for the Master? We are called to be witnesses, and are we willing to set ourselves forward in His service. Friend, it's a great privilege. It is a great calling. And it is a mighty and a great trust. And friend, if you're without the Savior this morning, well, you can't begin to witness for Him and serve Him until first you know Him as your own. You must be saved. You must be born again of the Spirit of God. And I say that to you because 
Jesus said, All that come unto me shall find rest. And that rest for your soul is the forgiveness of sin. That rest for your soul is going to be knowing that you have peace in your heart with God. And that rest in your soul is going to know that my life is secure and safe for time and all eternity. And you can only know that if you confess your sins unto Him and you call on Him to be yours. You can know that today. Let's bow in prayer. Father, I pray that as we have thought over this great word today from Acts 1.8, this final command, Lord, and that we would be enabled to fulfill such a command. I pray that as we are thinking on this verse of Scripture today, as we continue in this evening's meeting, and that, Lord, the Holy Spirit would enable us, for of ourselves we cannot. Lord, You would empower us, the Holy Spirit, to be a living witness, a daily witness. Lord, open that door. Have we not prayed, Lord? Have we not asked that each one of us would have opportunities to witness for Christ, opportunities to lead sinners to the Savior. Father, is that not what we're called and why we're here? Then expand our outreach. Expand our witness. Make use of us, Lord, we pray. And fill this house with those that are either seeking salvation and that will come to Christ, or those who are seeking to serve and desirous to know the will of God and how they can live out and out for the Master. Lord, hear our prayer today. Part us now in Your fear with Your rich and mighty blessing. And Lord, keep us in the Spirit on the Lord's day, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.